Hi, I'm Hannah Durden and you're listening to the Outdoors Group podcast. This podcast is a call to arms to get children and young people outside again. It's your one-stop shop for all things outdoor, child, young person and education related. Thanks for tuning in. Today I'm delighted to be joined again by one of our directors, Chef Pring. We're going to be chatting about educational philosophies and approaches, the purpose of education and how at TOG we're trying to create a new pedagogy that defines what we do in order to make it repeatable and understandable by other educational settings. Thanks for coming to chat to me again. That's a pleasure. Um, I think it'd be useful to start by explaining what we mean when we talk about pedagogies, which is a word that I'm not sure I'm even pronouncing correctly. Um, maybe to summarise some of the main alternative approaches that exist, such as Montessori and Steiner and the kind of traditional forest school. OK. Um, I don't think anyone knows how to pronounce pedagogy. <laughs> Everyone does it differently. So you know, Good. it's one of those words. Um, so pedagogy is basically the... Um, the approach that you take to teaching um, okay. in its broadest sense. What it usually gets used as is a way of describing the educational philosophy behind the teacher's methodology in any particular kind of setting or particular style of education. Yeah. Um, so looking at something like Montessori, um, part of the, the major part of the pedagogy would be about being a facilitator of the space for learning to happen. Yeah. So it's creating objects that are the right size for the learners yeah. so that they can kind of interact with them a bit more freely. Um, forest school is more about the kind of outdoor learning and using the outdoors as the setting. Yeah. Um, and, and that's kind of enshrined in it. Steiner is more holistic, so it looks broader than just what we would look at as a kind of typical curriculum. I always think of Steiner as like a hive as well, like they all work towards common goals and they're... Yeah, yeah. Rather than being individualised. Yeah, but there's a lot more store put on things like uh, the the welfare benefits of physical movement Mm. or the um, kind of arts and crafts and creative side of things than you would see in mainstream. Yeah. It's, it's got a more kind of holistic feel to it. Yeah. Um, and then mainstream is effectively what is in the national curriculum mm. as a body of knowledge that is imparted on learners in a very formal kind of learning structure and environment. Um, and those, whilst they're not the whole of a pedagogy in themselves, they steer the methodology of teachers yeah. within that so they form the basis of what the rest of the pedagogy is which is the kind of methodology of teaching so you wouldn't get someone teaching in Steino or Montessori with the same methodology as mainstream yeah. or forest school because the underlying philosophy has an impact on the way that that education is being delivered yeah so Really, when we're talking about pedagogy, we're talking about what are the kind of fundamental principles yeah. that underpin it, and then beyond that, what is the methodology of that teaching? What, yeah, how do teachers actually yeah. practice that? How do they use that philosophy to impart knowledge on a daily basis? Yeah. Do you think, what's the current kind of work 
around like educational philosophies that's being done like is all those ones we've just mentioned are quite old is there like anything more recent like like kind of recent educational philosophists philosophizers talking about this kind of stuff not that i'm aware of um no um so we're kind of stuck in an old system yeah so there's there is a lot of work on a fairly frequent basis on the methodology so the actual teaching practice evolves and changes a lot um, and the best practice changes year on year, term on term. Mm. You know, that's a, that's a very dynamic kind of sphere of research. The actual underpinning philosophies, yeah. I mean, the mainstream philosophy, effectively, uh, you can track back to Plato. It's, okay. it's, it's ancient Greek. It's oh, okay. this, you know, you've got... I was going to say factory workers, but no, not... No, the, no, the... That, that all was all based on the same. So you've okay. got, effectively, if you look at Plato's Republic, he talks mm. about three tiers of education. So you have effectively a um, like an apprenticeship class yeah. that learn functional jobs okay. and roles. Then you have a, uh, a kind of interim yeah. that, that learns the basics of maths and linguistics. Yeah. And then you have this intellectual elite that learns philosophy and ethics and you know kind of shapes the way that society works yeah and that runs all the way through the enlightenment you've got that same you know esoteric knowledge that is based on classics is what is the kind of pinnacle yeah. you know you learn everything in latin and science and yeah. latin and you know philosophy and literature are the kind of pinnacle of, yeah. of education um and then that runs right through into the modern era you know if you actually look at the education system we have people don't value apprenticeships in the same way as a university degree mm. they're not at the same level you know no. you, you, you kind of stop an apprenticeship typically at like level three yeah university is level five and six mm. it's that kind of there's, there's still that division and it's yeah. still based on that underlying philosophy that's, that's existing for so many hundreds of years yeah that's super interesting I didn't realise it went back that far um, sorry I was just pondering my head um, <laughs> moving on from that we've kind of, we spoke about the work that we do here at the outdoors group existing in I think what you termed a negative space where we share similarities with some other approaches that we kind of mentioned but don't really fit within any existing pedagogy <laughs> what's different about our approach how can you summarize what you think our pedagogy would look like um so we we defined what we started with almost by what we're not yeah that's why i talk about about negative space yeah. is we are a little bit like montessori but mm. we're not we're a little bit like kind of true scandinavian forest school but we're not yeah. um, we're a little bit like Steiner but we're not and yeah. we're a little bit like mainstream but we're not <laughs> so we we've always kind of said well we're not any of those things we're like a bit of all of them yeah what I'm starting to to look at as this project develops and what we're doing with the outdoors school is to really try and work from first principles and go what is it in all of those different philosophies mm. that is a kind of common thread yeah what, what is it that we're identifying with yeah. out of all of those and is there something in that 
intrinsically within itself mm. that actually we can shape positively. So yeah. rather than defining ourselves by what we're not, we start to go, this is what we are actually doing and yeah. providing. So it's kind of took me on a bit of a journey. So I kind of started going, um, effectively, every every paradigm in education is a reaction to a previous paradigm. Yeah. And that kind of is true of all paradigms. So, yeah, it's that yes. shift in thought is a reaction to what precedes it. Yeah. But is there something deeper than that that connects them all? Mm. Because there's some kind of fundamental principles that remain, like in mainstream and enlightenment and modern day mainstream teaching. Yeah. They all have this common thread right, that's yeah. just kind of implicit in what they do and hasn't really been unpicked. So can you go deeper than that and look at really what what is education for, what is education about and yeah, start what's to try its and, purpose. Exactly. Mm. Start to try and unpick some of that. So I think part of the journey that we're on is to try and really define the root of the pedagogy for us yeah. and what we're trying to do. Um, and I think that's important because it does so many things. Um, it informs the methodology of our mm. practice. Um, it makes concrete what exists largely as an intuitive approach. So it makes it understandable and repeatable yeah. if you can actually pin it down. Which is good for both new people coming to work for us, but presumably also if you want other people to be able to do the same thing. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, it, it allows your practice to be more widely recognised yeah. and understood and taken on board. Yeah. Um, it defines what we're trying to do beyond just creating a change in the education system. So it gives us something concrete that is beyond the desire for change. I think a lot of movements have this desire to change. This is that shift in paradigm. Yeah. I'm, I'm reacting to what happened before. Yeah, I don't, I agree, don't with agree with it. Yeah. There is a need for change. But without then taking the next step of going, what does that change need to look like? How do I shape that change? Mm. Uh, and how do I know when I've achieved it? Yeah. If you can't do that, then the change itself isn't enough. It won't. It won't achieve anything. Yeah. It will just kind of lose momentum. So how so, do you how do you make that shift um, from change to action, from desire to change to action? Well, by defining the pedagogy. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah, that's the starting point. Okay. You have to go. This is what we're actually trying to achieve, yeah. and that's about that shift from. The kind of negative space to a positive positive space <laughs> yeah because it's that it's not going the the desire for change is going what we're trying to do is not any of these things yeah and then when you go from that to what we're trying to do is this yeah that's the concrete step that then takes you beyond the desire for yeah. change into something that can be shaped and taken forward yeah and working out what the pedagogy is is, is key to that and is that where you're at at the moment, working out what it is? Yeah, what do you think I think you've worked so. out? Um, well, we've got, we've got some, some ideas around what it is. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't say that it's like really kind of fundamentally there. Mm. But there are, yeah, so, so it's kind of a collection of ideas at the moment that needs to be kind of drawn together. Um, yeah. In terms of the, the kind of the actual... The methodology that we use, that's been quite clear from the start. Yeah. You know, we've kind of, we've always said it's 
it's learner-led, experiential, um, project-based and outdoors. Mm. But that's all methodology. That's yeah. not... So we need to go yes, back, back beyond, that, beyond yeah. that to what it actually is. So I think there's a quote from um, Arthur Ashe, who was a tennis player. Okay. That's <laughs> not what I was expecting you no, to say. No, <laughs> and it's not... Yeah, I, I just stumbled across it. But it, mm. he, he said, start where you are, use what you've got, do what you can. Yeah. And I just... I've always loved that idea. Mm. And I kind of tried to change that a little bit and, and kind of start the thought process from that. So I I went to meet people where they are, show them what they've got and help them see that they can. Yeah. And I think fundamentally what that boils down to is that the the learner is at the centre yeah. of what we're trying to do. And if you if you look at that then so many things change. Yeah. You don't have teachers, you have facilitators. Yeah. You don't have control of a curriculum. You don't impose learning. It's not something that happens to them. Yeah. It, it completely fundamentally changes the way that you, you have to start approaching things. I mean, having... I, I totally agree with having learners at the centre. And for the school, the outdoor school, obviously it works because you've got high number of staff to learners. And for people who are home educating, works because you've only got a couple of kids. I mean, unless you're someone that's got a lot of kids, most people only have, you know, max four. But within a larger class with a smaller staff set, do you think it's still achievable to have learner at the centre? Like, you know, if you had your kind of class of 30, or do you think you can't shoehorn it into that kind of setting? Yeah, I think you can. Yeah. Because it's... It's not the teacher's journey. No. That's that's the whole point. Mm. So each of those individuals is going on their own journey anyway. Yeah. And so I think it comes back to... Do you know what I mean, though? Like, I, if you've I got do, less yeah. staff to help be facilitators, whether it's still achievable... Well, well yes, I think it is. Yeah. But, but no, the system's not set up for no. it. Yeah, so okay. the, the methodology isn't there. Yeah. And the understanding of the pedagogy isn't there. Yeah. So you couldn't just go... No. And, we're going to start doing it like this now. It, no. it wouldn't work. No. There's a journey that needs to be gone on. Mm. But, but yes, I think fundamentally okay. it would it would work for everyone. Yeah. Because it puts every single person in charge of their own learning. Yeah. And actually when you do that, the paths they take are quite remarkable to see. Like Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think this is... So fundamentally what we're trying to answer is what is the purpose of education? Yeah. That's what it boils yes. down to. Um, that was my next question. <laughs> so, so I think for for me, education should equip individuals with a sense of who they are, how they are within a society, and it should give them a toolkit for lifelong learning and success. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that comes back to them at the heart of it. Yes. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not trying to teach them anything. And lifelong learning is key, isn't it? And in the episode where we talked to uh, Andy and Michael, they were talking about, for them, the Forest School being a community of learning where everyone's learning. And actually, most people at 14 don't really know what they want to do. So what's the point in trying to push them down a pathway and do a really specific set of skills? Yeah, whereas actually if you say, here's how you learn, then as you work out what you want to do, that's when you can learn how to do it. People, People learn. Mm. 
all the time. It's absolutely at the core of everything that we do. Yeah. We do it without thinking. It is just a part of who we are as a, as a, as a species. Yeah. And what you do by having a really narrow, knowledge-based curriculum mm. that you assess against, essentially what mainstream has become with yeah. the national curriculum, is this, you then effectively discount like huge amounts of learning yeah and and that does two things either it completely loses it mm. or it makes it effectively a hidden curriculum and when you have a hidden curriculum that what then happens is it 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 can form very positively or it can form very negatively but you have no control over it because you have no sense of the learning the learner themselves doesn't know that they're learning because yeah. it's not in school you know they don't see it as learning no. because learning has become discreet and parents friends teachers whoever else is part of that learning journey mm. don't see it either so then you get this um this this potential for things to happen outside this outside what is seen as a sphere of learning mm. that is still learning so you yeah. can have a um young males that become hyper aggressive because yeah. they see that modeled as being a man yeah. in the media or whatever they, yeah, yeah. they're learning toxic masculinity exactly yeah. they're yeah. learning yeah they're just not they're not aware of the the resources that they're using yeah. or the um, validity yes. resources that they're yes. using, or, well, and the same know, with young or girls any kind and, of counterpoint yeah. to that. There's no discussion there that yeah. helps inform that process. It just mm. happens. So you 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 start to learn without knowing you're learning. Yeah. Well, then, like the young girls with the makeup and the body image, and it's exactly. just insidious on exactly. Instagram and stuff. If you put the learner at the heart of that process, mm. all of that goes back into yeah. the mix. Yeah. Because you're facilitating their journey so yes. they have a forum mm. that is open enough to discuss whatever is going and on and you're helping with skills aren't you like assessing sources and absolutely like, trusting who's valid and this yeah. is this is exactly it so this is you know a, a kind of a few ways about uh, of thinking about how what we're doing is is different mm. is so we're looking at um like outdoors not indoors yeah which is fairly obvious um, <laughs> in the name <laughs> yeah but a step beyond that we're looking at working with nature not just in nature okay so it's very easy to take a science lesson and teach it outside yeah yeah but you're still doing the same learning yes whereas what we're trying to do is more to do with that time and space in nature and using nature as part of that holistic experience yeah. allowing nature to become part of the teaching that changes your relationship with the space around you it gives you a sense of place it helps kind of embed you within a community it gives you ownership over a piece of land that you can start developing a relationship with and yeah. start caring for and it, it it grounds you in your kind of values Mm. in a way that doesn't happen when you just go nature is basically just a classroom yeah it's, it's just, just a, space a backdrop yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it it does something different mm. um we we aim to teach people how to learn not what to learn yeah and i think this is 
so important. If you look at teaching as just being, here is a body of knowledge that we impart on you yeah. in the nine till three, five mm. days a week that we have, and that's what learning is. Yeah. How can you then expect anyone to become a lifelong learner? <laughs> well, you, you've put the whole thing in a box. I've got a great example. <laughs> Having home educated for the last 12 years, I'm now approaching a GCSE syllabus with my eldest. And um, I said to a, someone who works in education, I said, I don't know how to get all this knowledge into them without just it being rote learning and she said well she said to pass the GCSE that's what you need to do and I thought man like so the opposite of everything we've done over the last 12 years is to be like right sit down absorb all this information like how is that learning like all she's doing is listening to me or reading a book and I don't know like it's not yeah it's... well so what that does when you when you start going this is what we need to teach yeah. them like yeah. as in content yeah not how to really learn. specific yeah. content yeah, yeah. what that that immediately mm. stops being education for them yeah. and becomes education I've for I've never seen her so turned off to something we've done as to me going, right, here's a list of everything we need to learn, let's tick it off and go, and it's like, that's... Yeah. yeah. If that's part of the process they want to learn, yeah. then that's different, isn't mm. it? Because if you go, if they go, I want to be a, a climbing instructor, yeah. yeah, and you go, okay, here is a set of qualifications yeah. and here are the hoops you have to jump to be able to yeah. do that, they're already motivated to do yes, that. So you yeah. go, you're going on that journey with them. Mm. And that's different from imposing that on them. Yeah. So it really does shift the whole focus. Yeah. And I just, I think it's completely mad that we, as a society, think that we can come up with a comprehensive body of knowledge, like things that people that need to know. That everyone should know, yeah. That's going to serve them for, yeah. You look at, the, when I was at school, like you could barely get on the internet. Yeah. And now there are like, there are hundreds, if not thousands of jobs that exist yeah. that were, were completely beyond my comprehension yeah, when I was in exactly. school. Yeah. So how can any body of knowledge that I learned at school prepare me for Help a future that that's yeah. uncertain? Yeah. Uh, and that's true all the time. Mm. We, we, we can't predict the future no. in a way that makes any sense. So surely we have to give people a toolkit how to learn. Yeah so that they can then equip themselves with the knowledge yeah. they need. You know, is, are the sources reliable? Yeah. You know, am I going to a, a good place for the knowledge? Am I critically analysing yeah. it? Am I understanding how it fits with my morals and values? Yes. Am I looking at how I incorporate team building and problem solving? Yes. Am I part of a community that's, that's building and shaping something cohesively? Yeah. All of those things is a toolkit. Yeah. That's not discrete knowledge. No. And that allows you then to go out and get whatever knowledge you need. Yeah. To well, I read this, do the job you want to do. I read this great article about why there's so many amazing teenage activists. Um, it's like, why is this generation so particularly switched on? And they were saying it was because of the internet. And it's this term autodidactic, is that it? So self-taught. And yeah. But again, like that's great as long as they are knowing how to learn and knowing how to teach themselves whereas if they don't have those skills yeah yeah are they going to go to the right places are they going to get the accurate knowledge so that's that then becomes you know as what would traditionally be a teacher Mm. your job becomes a facilitator you are you're going on a learning journey with them yeah and your job then becomes to help them shape that knowledge so you you become a devil's advocate yeah. you, you challenge you them about this? you, you yeah. provide them with alternatives yeah. you make them really think and debate yeah. and understand 
what it is they think they know. So when they come home and say, my friend said this, you can go, oh, well, shall we find a way to verify whether that's accurate or not? Absolutely. Which and is, also, again, flying the, flying the home ed flag, but that's what we've always said. Like People say, oh, how can you teach? And it's like, well, I'm not teaching, I'm facilitating. No. And they do, I mean, they come out with the most phenomenal questions. My, um, my youngest, uh, yesterday, he said, he said, Dad, how do they know what time it is in the International Space Station because they're flying around the planet like six oh, times yeah. a day. And I was thought like, about that. <laughs> and then he was like, "How do they know when to go to sleep?" And I was like, "That's a really interesting question. That's, that's a, that's a really whole line yeah. of inquiry that he's come up with himself that I want to go and find out with him. Yeah, I want to know. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, well, so do I now? My interest. <laughs> I'm going. Actually, I want to sit down with you and find that out. That's really, that's really interesting. Have you worked it out yet? No, no, I haven't. <laughs> I'm going to go away and look at it with him tonight. But it's that just. I just love that. Yeah. I I'm learning and he's learning, and it's come from him. Yeah. And I'm facilitating that. Yeah. I'm helping him to understand the world mm. from a point of interest and a point of strength. Yeah. For him, that's 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 opening doors, not shutting them. Yeah. If you look at uh, a guy I've read a lot of, this guy called Dan Pink, he talks about motivation. Yeah. There are three really core things that motivate people. It's um, autonomy, mastery, and recognition. Okay. Yeah, those are the three fundamental motivators. Okay. Okay. Now, let's say that you sit a maths test in a class. Okay. You've been told to do that maths work. So you're told what to do. So there's no autonomy. No. Okay. You're, you're tested on that. And you're given a score, mm. so there's an assessment of mastery rather than an understanding of mastery. Yeah. And if you get an F, that where's the recognition? Yeah. So you're fundamentally through that educational system shutting down every single core motivator that we yeah. have as humans. Yeah. And then we expect people to engage with learning. Yeah. Of course they don't. <laughs> yeah. And it works fine when you get when you get an A, yeah. you get the recognition. Yeah. So you immediately are hitting one of the three. Yeah. yeah. If you get the recognition, you probably mastered it to the point where you were able to get the A. So yeah. you can jump through it. So you're starting to hit those motivators. Yes. But you're not intrinsically allowing people to approach learning from a position of strength. Yeah. So it only will ever work for a small number of people. Yeah, the high achievers. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, other examples, I think learners owning the learning rather than teachers owning the learning, absolutely key. Um, Internal control and responsibility, not external control and tests. So learners need to have an internal locus of control. They need to own the learning. Yeah. And... The only metric for success has to be how a learner has improved against their own efforts. Nothing else. That analogy of um, people running a 5k every week and it's like they're not running to win, they're running to against themselves, against their previous selves. So it's the same thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And it's that, you know, it's that thing Einstein said, you know, if you if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it'll live its life thinking it's stupid. Yeah. And it's true. Like, you know, the the metric for success for a fish is can it swim <laughs> faster or can it 
you know, navigate better. You know, avoid being eaten. <laughs> exactly. It, you know, they, it has its own skill set yeah. that it needs to improve in yeah. to be a better fish. Like, and that only works if you measure it against itself. So you, as soon as you start looking at testing in any other way as being a, a metric against other people or other schools, you stop that metric being anything to do with the success of the individual. Yeah. Because it's not about them getting better. It's about them being judged against their peers or against other schools or you know, national benchmarks, yeah. whatever it is. So what happens then is you start to move learning towards how do I get my learners to do better against another set of learners. Yeah. And that doesn't serve anyone's purpose other no. than your own. Yeah. So you take control of learning off the learner and you have that yeah. as a as a teacher or a tutor and you're imparting stuff that gets them to a metric that helps you. And or so, your boss. Yeah. yeah. So again the learning just is not not for them anymore. No. It, it it removes that control. Yeah. So it just doesn't make any sense. You know, you can't you know I can't tell you what my sons need to learn to no. be successful in life because no. they don't know what they're going to do in life. No. So how can I? I can't do that. No. It's got to be. It's got to come from them. Yeah. We've got to look at it differently, you know. And if you start making it about them, everything is learning. That's the other thing. You you cannot have a curriculum in the same way because you can't go. I know these bits of maths are what you need to learn. Mm. What they might actually need to learn is how to make their own breakfast yeah. or how to talk to friends and build relationships yeah. or how to get on a bus or, you know, how to eat healthy food or, you know, how to, uh, how understand... to walk into a room and talk to people they've never met before. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, all these other skills yeah. that, that are just not part of a discrete set of data yeah. that we're trying to impart. So it just doesn't it doesn't work for them as an individual to have a curriculum in the same way, no. just because it's got to come from them. Yeah, and that's where the project based stuff really works because it really allows people to access a project from a position of strength. Yeah, because every project has the ability to encompass such a wide range to of be adaptable. skills yeah. that everyone can go. I can bring something mm. to that project that's within my skill set. So yeah. I'm I'm approaching that already from a position of success. Yeah. So my confidence is high. I know I can be involved and I know I've got something to give to that. Yeah. And then because they're engaged from a position of strength, they are then in a position to go actually it'd be really useful if I knew this. Yeah. Yeah. And then as a facilitator, you go either I'll go on that learning journey with you and help you in, in, in fill in that gap in knowledge or actually someone else in the project is really skilled in that yeah. and they can help you and then you can do this peer-to-peer -peer learning and you can collaborate which is such a fundamental skill yeah. and you can actually start to develop those, those gaps in knowledge through that. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say, the collaboration is key isn't it because yeah, that, that way you're still putting the, what did you say, the locus Locus yeah. of learning on them that without having to 
have everyone on a one-to-one you can still be in a team working together absolutely and that answers that can you have yeah i've just realized i've answered my own question (laughs) because what you're doing effectively and this is another difference is you are you are focusing on passions and interests not problems and barriers yes so you're not going you need to know this knowledge and they're going i don't understand it i don't don't see the point i don't want to do it that's a barrier straight away yeah and so you either go okay you don't need to know mm. that. We'll, we'll, you know, if you need to know that in future to facilitate yeah. a project or your learning at that point, it will make sense to you and there's no barrier. Yeah. Or genuinely, you don't need it. There's so many things I learned at school that I just don't need. Mm. You know, that it's, and, and well, that's I got true like, of everyone. I got A in GCSE German and I can't speak a word of German now, which just goes to show it was literally a, a test of can you remember enough for two weeks to pass an exam it wouldn't actually teach me how to speak another language yeah and I think the other thing that that is fundamental to this whole process of putting the learner at the center is that you you have a curriculum that is based around freedom and humanity Mm. rather than uh, a discrete curriculum and rote learning yeah you're not shutting doors you're opening them Mm. you allow everything the whole human experience to be part of the curriculum and that truly is how you become a lifelong learner. Yeah. Because you go on that journey and it's not just, you know, lifelong learning isn't just, oh, I'm in my 30s and I've got a bit of spare time in the evening so I'll go and do an access course at college. Yeah, or an OU degree, or, yeah. It's, it's, it's understanding your, you know, uh, how your relationships change. Yeah. It's forming new friendships. It's understanding... The, the nuts and bolts of, of life, you know, buying houses, getting mm. married, having a family, you know, all those kind of things. Yeah. It's the the work you do on yourself. It's that self-reflective journey you go on as you change and mature and, and, and develop as a human being yeah. and, and what that means to you. All of that is part of learning. Everything, you know, we're, we're all learning all the time. And that just gets missed Yeah, if you start to narrow... The focus of what learning actually is, yeah, and then people don't do it because they don't see that. As they don't being... see it as a necessi- necessity. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so the other thing I think is that sense of, um, like, freedom and and joy. Yeah. Like we learn when we're happy. Yeah. And that's that's so important. Is if you if you can't engage with that. Like, then, then you're just not going to get anywhere. No. You, you, you know. I mean, that's that goes back to kind of Maslow. You know, it's it's kind of fundamental. That yeah. You just can't access it. Which is why we address people's kind of basic needs before we think about anything that looks like what people in school would call learning, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which is learning. Yeah. Which it's is learning. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's yeah, making sure that they okay feel safe with. and able to regulate their emotions and talk to someone. Absolutely. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah. Um obviously what we do sounds pretty cool. Well I think so anyway. But how do you how do you think you can formalise it so there's a method methodology that can be replicated? Um like that's a big challenge, right? It is. How do you create a curriculum mm. where there's not meant to be a curriculum? <laughs> yeah. So, so I think for me, the, there's a big part of it is about being holistic. Yeah. 
Um, I think meeting them where they are, yeah. whoever they may be, that's, that's fundamental. Understanding that their journey is not everyone's journey. Yeah. You can't benchmark. Yeah, the, there is no... A really good example of this is um, children learn to speak mm. and they learn to walk. They all do it at different times. Yeah. So if you put pressure on that, you know, if you say my two-year-old learned to walk and then someone has a three-year-old who hasn't learned to walk, yeah. that only becomes a failure if the benchmark is that you need to walk at two. But yeah. why? Why do you need yeah. to walk at two? It doesn't, you know, so meeting them where they are yeah. and going on that journey with them is absolutely fundamental to yeah. that. You know, it's that teacher as facilitator is mm. you know, we're learning too yeah we're going on that journey with them and beyond that i think it comes down to your curriculum needs to be based on first principles yeah so how to learn not not what to learn um how to be not who to be we shouldn't be telling people who they are no. we should be helping them find out how to be in the world yeah so things like um, uh, a curriculum for kindness you know let's look at the actual the, the nuts and bolts of how a society should work yeah. and, and go we back actually to did do a curriculum of kindness from uh, it was a growth mindset organisation do lots of little ones and they had one all about kindness which felt a bit at first I thought oh, this is a bit twee but actually it was really good to practically go through and do some of their exercises to think about like being kind because kids sometimes don't think about it just because they're kids so it's nice to yeah yeah definitely you have to formalize it with them a little bit but. yeah and and you know um understanding you know robin talks about us looking at the curriculum from the point of view of you know where are they going to be and what are they going to need when they're in their 30s yeah it's that you know it's 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 holistic it's looking at the whole person yeah it's understanding that what they need for success yeah is is not just benchmarked by society no. it's it's intrinsic it's it's about them um so you you can't you can create i guess you can create a pedagogy around that mm. in terms of the kind of philosophy but the methodology it's got to be individual. Yeah, becomes quite hard to pin yeah. down. And then I think a lot of people start going, well, I don't know what I should be teaching them or how I should be teaching yeah. it. And, and we've got to kind of re-skill yeah. people as, as facilitators and as tutors. Yeah. Because it is a different skill set. Mm. It's a different approach. But they will be guided by the learners. Yeah, if they trust. If they just let yeah. the process work. Mm. Yeah, you know, um, it's like Tom was saying in his podcast about you know oh you know we're making reindeers today and someone goes oh I want to make a duck yeah great same woodworking skills yeah, yeah, yeah. you're still learning the same yeah. fundamental principles of how wood works and what tools do and yeah you know how to approach it but they want to do it because they're making a duck yeah so why make them make a reindeer if they want to make a duck yeah is that you know, yeah meet them where they are let them approach that journey and the skill set will follow it's, yeah. Yeah, so the the you know in kindergarten the, the 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 EYFS, if you literally just let them be in the woods, they'll do it naturally. Follow them around, yeah. and tick your EYFS yeah. off as you you don't you don't have to do anything. No, they'll do it all because yeah. 
that's what we do. We learn. Yeah, yeah. we've <laughs> we all learn. seen kids lining cars and sticks from big to small exactly. without any prompting. It's like, oh look, there's shape yeah. comparison. <laughs> Absolutely, we we just naturally do this yeah. stuff. It just it works. So, I think there's there's quite a fundamental change in the approach there that is not easy to create a kind of metric for no um the, the so franchising might be an answer to spreading it maybe i think i think more around the kind of teacher training yeah that's where i really think we can have an impact is yeah going. this there is there is a, a another different way, way yeah that, you know that that we can actually explore and start to get people enthused about what that looks like yeah um kind of re-engage people with the idea that learning is at the heart of it not the curriculum and the statistics at the heart of it yeah. it's like you know we you can measure success in so many different ways and it's very easy to become data driven yeah Stephen Covey talks about um, many people he's, he's talking about careers but he says many people spend many years climbing the ladder of success only to find it's lent against the wrong wall. <laughs> and it feels to me yeah. like that's what mainstream has become. Yeah. It's it's followed a path that is trying to answer the question, how do we know when we've succeeded? Yeah. Yeah. Which is a, a completely valuable question. But it has developed into something where the data is now driving. driving. Yeah what they're trying to do yeah. which is become backwards and I think that's where a lot of people are really struggling with what mainstream teaching has become yeah. both teachers and families whose kids are yeah in those things I think yeah, absolutely yeah you know I think teachers you, you ask any teacher why they get into teaching they want to spend time with the learners mm. they want to be in front of the class they want to be doing stuff yeah you know and more and more it's become about the planning and the assessment and the, the marking and, mm. you know, it, it, it becomes very kind of paperwork heavy and it, it's almost like you then can't do anything unless it's somehow backed up yeah. or, you know, written down or, you know, and there's a place for that, obviously. Yeah, I think this idea of control has to exist in as far as it is our job to keep people safe. Yeah. So... There has to be a metric, of yeah. a level of control where we go, yes, we are in authority and yes, we are in control in the sense that it's our job to keep people safe. Yeah. Beyond that, people will not accept authority that is not competence-based. Yeah. And why should they? Which, again, is what Andy and Michael said about, like, you know, learners yeah. not going to trust you no. just because you're an adult. Like Absolutely. And, 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 and why up. should they? Yeah, exactly. You know, why should you trust someone or do what they say just because they wear a suit? Yeah. That's, that's an absurd metric yeah, yeah, yeah. for them to have any kind... Or a title, mm. you know? You know, oh, I'm the... You know, I'm the head of faculty or whatever it is. So yeah. you've got to do what I say. Why? Yeah. Like, the, the title doesn't give you control no. over me what you know it what it should do is it should infer competence yeah so you should be good at what you do to have risen through the ranks to that point and when you are competent and yeah. i see your competence 
then I will accept that authority yeah, because yeah. I understand that you have a mastery of your knowledge mm. in your area and, and, and that's what should give you the authority. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and if, you, if you miss that step, it just doesn't work. Yeah. yeah. It's like there's the same thing in a completely different kind of scenario, but the same kind of thing of like the, the end in itself is everything. Yeah. Has has become a, an absolute pandemic in in young people today. Mm. They you know, you ask people what they want to be, and they'll say, "I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be a YouTuber. I want <laughs> to be an influencer." Yeah, yeah. The, those things come from doing a lot of hard work yeah. in something you're passionate about, yeah. and that whole being bit really good has at been missed out. That bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's the bit that counts. Yeah, like learning a craft and dedicating time and energy and passion to something those are the end results of doing that yeah you don't just get to become famous for no. the, you know that that's not that's not how things that's should work works, no. so it misses out a whole step and i think the same thing is ha- happens with authority so yeah. i you know i'm a headmaster or you know i'm i'm whoever yeah and therefore you know i have authority yeah so that, that's not that's not how it works. No, no. I wouldn't recognise. You know, if someone said, I, you know, I'm higher up than you in a hierarchy and therefore you must do what I say, I'd say, no. Like, <laughs> that's not a good basis for me to listen to. I suspect you might not it. say it so politely. Well, probably not, no. <laughs> but, but the, you know, and some yeah. of the learners don't. No. And, and that's actually, fine. Yeah. when that, you know, when they come across that situation, yeah, you, know, you can't really blame them, no. to be honest. No, 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 um, that's not. a pretty natural response. Yeah. Um, I've I've really enjoyed our chat today. Is there anything before we finish up from that you wanted to say that we haven't really covered? Um, I think there's a, yeah, just a few things kind of looking forward yeah. on the journey. Yeah, we've kind for of... us or um, from a kind of theoretical point of view, or for the outdoors group, or both. Both, I'd say. Yeah, okay. But but part certainly part of the journey that we're on yeah. as an organisation, definitely. Yeah. I think looking forward. Conflict is positive. Mm. I think that's a really big takeaway. I think if you look at it, it's if it's purpose driven and solution focused, it is a dynamic, creative force for change yeah. and for good. And it it's so important that people understand that. Yeah. I think it's very often something people avoid or they they see it as being a, a kind of fear or like you know quite kind of personality based and yeah it, it creates a barrier and actually if you can get through that and really actually start having that conversation i think too many people would rather keep quiet for the peace than to actually speak up when they disagree with something yeah and obviously you don't have to disagree with every little thing but for the big things absolutely you've got a challenge haven't you yeah i think it's really important definitely um Oh, thank you so much for coming today. Um, I've already asked you my kind of three finishing questions that I've been asking everyone to wind down so we end on a kind of chilled note. Um, so instead of asking those three, I just thought I'd ask what you're looking forward to this summer. Um, I'm looking forward to going to the Green Gathering with my family oh. this summer um, because I haven't got to see them very often over the last couple of years. To all the family, all, all the, the family. siblings and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, and my stepbrother is coming with his little boy Jasper. And oh, I haven't nice. met him yet. So that's exciting. He was, he was born through lockdown, so I'm very excited to meet oh, him. that's a good thing to look forward to. 
Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming today. Oh, it's been a pleasure. I'm sure we'll have you again on soon. <laughs> Thanks again to Chef for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks to everyone who's listened uh, for taking the time to spend some time with us. Uh, please come back in two weeks' time to listen to our next episode. And if you'd like to get in touch or if you have a suggestion of something we should be talking about, we'd love to hear from you. Just get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us at The Outdoors Group. Thanks very much.